Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Welcome, everybody, to the Resident Report, brought to you by PLB Sports and Entertainment, the maker of Josh's Jacks, the JA-17 line of coffee, and the Diggs-14 line of hot sauces. Welcome to the show. Please enjoy your time with me. to the red zone report it's your man izzy and we are here to talk about the buffalo bills and whether or not they got better this offseason now there are uh, many of us who believe that they did you know some people don't believe that they did and we're going to go over all that uh my man robbie here izzy with the lit intro video go bills thank you robbie i appreciate it uh yeah so we're going to go over whether the buffalo bills got better this offseason now there are places where people have left the team and there are places where we have added people right back to fill in some of those holes. And we're going to discuss that. Right. Uh, and we'll take it from the top first position quarterback. Right. We are, we had a backup last year uh, and he he's no longer with the team. We have replaced him with Kyle Allen. Now last year's backup quarterback, for some reason, I'm forgetting his name right now. But, um, yeah. Uh, Case Keenum. There we go. So Case Keenum was our backup last year. And Case Keenum is a pretty good backup. You know, he took the Vikings to the playoffs, almost to a Super Bowl, uh, lost in the NFC Championship game, the Minneapolis Miracle. Hey, he had a real you know, continuity with uh, Stefan Diggs. And then this offseason, you know, he was allowed to move on. And he is now elsewhere. The Bills did what? They went and got Kyle Allen, friend of Josh Allen, uh, who trains with Jesse or Jordan Palmer as well out in California. And that's where we're at now. Now, is Kyle Allen an upgrade over Case Keenum? Uh, I, I wouldn't say so. Is he a downgrade? 
I also wouldn't say so. Uh, they both have very different experiences in the NFL. Case Kim has been in the NFL a little longer um, and done a little bit more with his career. But when it comes to talent and ability, I think that they're about even. So I would say that's a wash, right? Quarterback, it's about a wash. Now we go to running back. And this is an interesting one because the guy who's led the team in rushing for the past four years, Devin Singletary, is no longer a Buffalo Bill. Right. He did his, He went through his whole contract. Uh, the Bills didn't pay him. Right. He went to Houston, got paid there, and then from there the Bills went and signed Damian Harris from the New England Patriots. Now, is Damian Harris a better running back than Devin Singletary? I, I, I don't think so. I don't think so. Now, is Devin Singletary better than Damian Harris? I also don't think so. They're different backs. They have a different purpose. Uh, is it an improvement for this team, though, that we went and got Damian Harris and replaced Devin Singletary with him? Yes, because now we have a true power back, which Sean McDermott has seemed to have wanted the whole time. They drafted Zach Moss to be the hammer, and he just he wasn't for us. Uh, now, with Indianapolis last year, the last game of the season, Zach Moss showed some promise within that offense. In our offense, no, absolutely not. But within their offense, he looked good the last game of the season. What does that mean? I, I don't know. I don't know what that means. But I do know that he looked he looked pretty solid playing power back. He had over 140 yards, I think, in that game. So, yeah. Greetings. Welcome. Kim, happy Sunday. Welcome back to the show. I think Damien can help Josh out. I agree. And that's that's why I think it is an upgrade having Damien Harris over Devin Singletary. And it's not because Damien's better or worse, but because Damien brings something different to the table. Damien brings power. And he's faster than Devin. Devin is a he he's a back who can shake you out of your shoes in a phone booth, right? Damien Harris isn't that guy. Damien Harris, he can juke you and you know. He's, he's not bad at that, but he can also, like, plow right through you just to get past you, just just to get past you, and he's he's very powerful. So the differences in those two backs, I think, is the upgrade, not necessarily the quality of the two backs. So I think that they're of the same quality. I think I just think they do different things. So I would say, yes, the Bills got better at running back for their own purposes, and fullback is the same guy, so there's nothing to talk about there. Uh, wide receivers, interesting. Um, because the first two guys, uh, Dev, ooh, wow, Stefan Diggs and Gabriel Davis, that's our one and two. That was our one and two last year. The question is our slot. And we had, we've had the slot receiver question partially answered now in the draft when we drafted Dalton Kincaid. We also picked up Trent Sherfield. We also picked up Deontay Hardy. We also have Khalil Shakir. So, that slot is going to be up for grabs. And in my opinion, most of the guys I just named are better than Isaiah McKenzie was at receiving. I think Isaiah McKenzie had his place. Uh, Jamison Crowder, to me, if he was totally healthy, would have been a, a godsend to the Bills last year. But he couldn't stay healthy. And so that is why I do believe that the Bills upgraded that slot wide receiver position. We now have guys who can stay healthy. I know Deontay Hardy has some questions in that department, but Khalil Shakir doesn't. Dalton Kincaid doesn't. Trent Sherfield doesn't. 
So those are three guys who don't have the injury bug in their past. Uh, I think that Deontay Hardy can really replace McKenzie's gag playability. He can also catch the ball down the field. So if he's on the field, he's not somebody you're going to take lightly in coverage. He's and you're just going to assume he's running a gag play or, or you know some sort of misdirection or, or wide receiver screen or anything like that. You're not going to assume that's just some bubble screen or reverse or jet sweep with Deontay Hardy. You're going to look at Deontay Hardy and you're going to believe that I have to defend him honestly. Now, you look at Trent Sherfield, he could be the surprise of all of them because last year, he, I've said it you know before in my shows, he took the job of Cedric Wilson, who came from the Cowboys and went to the Dolphins. And when he did so, he was supposed to be the guy in the slot. He was the slot guy between CeeDee Lamb and uh, Michael Gallup. And now he's he comes to Miami, right? To this division, he comes to the division, plays in Miami, and or gets his spot taken by Trent Sherfield. Trent Sherfield just outplays him and takes his job. So I think I think Sherfield is is a guy who could really take that role. I would like to see Shakir take him because we drafted Khalil Shakir and I, I really like his promise. But honestly, I don't really care who takes the slot job as long as they're good at it. And if we have multiple guys who are good at it and, and all of our guys can play inside and outside, Sherfield can play inside and outside, Diggs, Davis, um, Shakir, uh, most of these guys can play inside and out. So honestly, I, I think that upgrading the wide receiver room was key. And then you look at Kincaid, who's technically a tight end, but is going to play slot receiver most of the time, play the F spot. To me, that's an upgrade, too, because now it gives you an option in the red zone. Six foot four, 245 pounds. You're going to have to put a linebacker on him. That's a matchup nightmare. And then if you put a corner on him, all Josh has got to do is throw the ball up high. Dalton can go up and get it. He was a basketball player, so he can jump. I am a full believer that this wide receiver core and tight end room both got better this offseason. I think that they both got better. I think they both improved. Now it's to move to the O-line. And the O-line is, is definitely a spot that I believe we improved. I believe we improved there quite a bit uh, with depth and starters. First things first, Deion Dawkins last year played – Pretty freaking good at left tackle. Wasn't his best year, but it certainly wasn't his worst. Um, but he, he has had better years. Oh, let's go into some comments here. See, I believe Hardy has also played on the outside as a deep back guy. He has. He has in, in New Orleans. But he, he really wasn't supposed to be there. It just happened to work a couple times while he was there. But he's mostly a slot guy. He can play inside and out, but he, he shouldn't. He's just he's not big enough to be on the outside, Ding up those uh those big corners. He needs to be on – he needs to be – on the inside. But back to the O-line stuff. Uh, Deion Dawkins, excellent player. I believe that Deion Dawkins is a top, you know, five to ten defensive or left tackle in the NFL. He's, he's a top ten guy. He's a top ten tackle in the NFL. Um, and Deion Dawkins is, is, a, is a mainstay on this team. I think that the Bills could potentially extend him to make some cap space within the next year or two. That, that's very possible. So happy with that position. Don't need to upgrade it. It's fine. 
If something comes up cheaper and better than Dion and it's absolutely proven, sure. But that that's that's hard as hell to find. That's that's really hard to find. My man Lance says, I believe. Let's go, baby. I do too. John Roberts says, Hardy is fast. He certainly is. Top ten for sure. Yep. Yep. Uh probably outside of the top five, if I'm being honest. I'd say he's around seventh. I'd say around the seventh best uh tackle in the NFL. What's good with y'all? What's up, man? Welcome back. And Roy, what up, brother? There we go. There we go. All right. So happy with Deion Dawkins. It's almost impossible to delete to uh not delete, uh to replace him with a player of his caliber. It's just left tackles just don't hit the market like that. There was one one this year, maybe two. Um, and they got scooped up like that, and they got paid big money. Orlando Brown, as an example, who went from the Chiefs to the Bengals. You know, he jumped ship. He got paid, and he got it on a short-term deal where he can go and get paid again after this deal. That guy, obviously, to me, is looking out for number one, which is fine. He can look out for number one. You got Someone's got to look out for you, so you might as well be the one to do it. Then you go into left guard, the guy who plays right next to Deion Dawkins, which, in my opinion, was a huge hindrance on this offense this past year. It was hindering it for sure. Deion Dawkins had to make up for the bum next to him and Roger Saffold. Roger Saffold is no longer on the team. That, to me, in and of itself, is addition by subtraction. Addition by subtraction, as my man Sauce got in the comments is saying. Let's go, baby. Let's go. Addition by subtraction. You understand? Capiche? Addition by subtraction. So, even if we didn't sign anybody else, if we were to start Ike Bodker after the travesty that was Roger Saffold last year, who somehow made the Pro Bowl, which I, I've already heard the explanation as to how, if you're an alternate, it's based only upon the player vote. Roger Saffold is respected around the league because of his whole career. We got him at the end of that career. And, you know, at one point he was great, but now he's not. He's no longer great. He's no longer a good – he's no longer even a good guard in the NFL. And there were plays out there where he just looked lost. And he is now gone. He's now gone. And to me, every guard on this roster is an upgrade over him, whether it's Conor McGovern, who is most likely going to be the guy – at left guard. Most likely it's going to be Connor McGovern, right? Connor McGovern is not a great run blocking guard. He's just not, he's not a great run blocker. He is, however, pretty freaking good at pass blocking. And so Connor going out there to, to, to be the blocker on the left side, which is the blind side of Josh Allen, his, his more important skill is going to be pass blocking, right? That's, that's your, that's your side of the ball. Whereas Josh's blind side, you want to protect that side. Having Roger Saffold miss his guy all the time, bad idea, bad news. Connor's going to be a baller at left guard. I hope so. He he, he graded in the 70s at PFF last year when it came to pass blocking. His run blocking was in the 40s, though, so that's, that's not really an improvement in that department, but I don't think that's what he's here for. I don't think that's what he's here for. Popularity contest for alternates. It's a popularity contest for everybody, really. I mean, a couple years ago, Lamar Jackson got hurt, right? And Josh Allen had the best year of his career. I think it was, what, 2020? 
and Lamar made it over Josh. And I was like, what is going on here? So there, there's that. And then uh, Josh was an alternate, and he turned it down. So good for you, Josh, standing on your morals and your principles. Uh, now he's turning on Pro Bowl no matter what, so he can go heal up. Even though now it's flag football, I think he should go out there and have fun one of these years just to go do it. But you're looking at that, that spot. Even if it's just like Bakker, to me, that's an improvement. Roger Saffold is just too old. He's done. Now, you look at center. The center spot kind of gets a, an upgrade in the backup department, really, with the return of Ike Bodger, right? You bring in Osiris Torrance on the right guard spot, so I'm going to combine these two here. And you now have a battle at right guard between Ryan Bates and Osiris Torrance and David Edwards. Who's going to win that job? In my opinion, it's most like most likely gonna be Osiris Torrance. He's the, he's your big mauler from Florida who's gonna come in there and create the run lanes on the right side of the ball. You may even see him pull to help McGovern on the other side. Granted, he won't be pulling to go all the way across the formation because he's not that type of guy. He's not that he's not that agile. He's not gonna be pulling and, and doing things like um I forget who that old guard we had that was really good at pulling. But he's not, he's not one of those guys who's going to be able to pull all the way across the formation. He might be able to pull across past the center and then, you know, get a guy to open up a lane. But that's just that's just what he's going to be doing. Uh, he, Ryan Bates can play every spot on the line. I think that Ryan Bates should make this team, but he's a potential trade candidate. You also have David Edwards, who came from the Rams, who's played in the Cromer system. Uh, won a Super Bowl with the Rams. He's a potential guy who can come in if Torrance isn't ready. And if you want to move on from Bates, I don't know if that's the case. But, yeah, it, it's it's really going to be interesting to see how this right guard spot plays out. But either way, you upgraded it by bringing in competition. That, to me, is very important. Torrance had no sacks all season either. Torrance did not allow a sack his entire college career. Yeah. The entire his entire career at Louisiana and Florida, zero sacks allowed. He is a mammoth, a mauler of a man. My one concern with him is if they try asking him to pull. I'm not worried about pass blocking. Clearly, no sacks allowed his entire college career. I'm not concerned about his run blocking because the man is a plow, right? And what better place to go than Buffalo if you're a plow? It's a beautiful thing. So. Torrance is is most likely the right guard candidate. In my opinion, that's who's probably going to start. Roy says, don't forget, we also re-signed Greg Manns for a center. That's true. And that is the guy who could potentially make Ryan Bates expendable in trade. Right? The, uh, the Bears wanted him last year. We signed him instead. PFF-wise, he grades out in the 60s, I believe, in every category. So when it comes down to... Uh, center it may be time to look into not having players with such flexibility that they can play the whole line you know they have the whole, they say the jack of all trades is a master of none uh it's actually a longer saying than that but you know the way we use it today is that but ryan bates is a good backup he could back all those guys up and what makes him most likely to stay on the team 
is that because then you can carry only eight linemen rather than having to carry nine or ten. You can just carry eight, have one backup guard, one backup tackle, and then he can play whatever position else is needed. Center, blase, blase. Yeah, he's a uh, 59 in run blocking, 61.5 in pass blocking, and 61.8 overall. So Ryan Bates. Ryan Bates is a you know, solid guy. Here we go. Love Bates as center than Morse. Uh, you like more Bates. Okay, so you like Bates more as a center than you do Morse. And I'm guessing it's because of Morse's injuries, because Morse's injuries are concerning. The thing is, if you have Bates on the roster, I think that Morse is the better center. But the injury concerns are real. But as long as you have Bates on the team, it's not really that big a concern. Because if Morse gets hurt, you shift Bates over to the center, no harm, no foul, and we just keep on rolling. So I, I do like Bates as a center. Um, I just think that I think Morse is the better player there. I think that, but if he's hurt, who cares, right? You're not you're not better at anything if you're hurt. Water is good, people. Drink water. All right. So, and then we move on from the center guard spot, right? The interior offensive line. You move to the right tackle spot, which is really a big concern because last year it was a struggle there too. Spencer Brown comes off surgery on his back, doesn't get to play any preseason games, doesn't get to do anything in training camp, doesn't get to do anything in OTAs because of that back surgery. And they really don't bring any competition in for him until after the draft, right? And Brandon Bean said it himself, you know, People were panicking about after the draft, but, you know, roster building is 12 months. So before the draft, after the draft, during the season, after the season, so on and so forth. It's, it's, it's 24 hours, you know, seven days a week, 365, right? There's somebody waiting for a call for a free agent or a trade partner to make a move. And that's just the reality of that, that you have to really just appreciate the honesty that comes with Brandon Bean is that, you know, 20, you know, 24-7, 365, I got to be ready to make moves. Roster building is all the time. And now, as my man in the comments here says, now they have Shell for backup. So Shell has starting experience in the NFL. Shell is not a bad player. And the thing I like about him is he can he can go in there and he can play without any much drop-off from what we've seen from Spencer Brown as of right now. It wouldn't it wouldn't be a drop-off from what we've seen already. Also, right tackle, Josh Josh is much more able to uh to get away from defensive linemen coming from the right side because it's not his blind side. He can see, he can make a move quicker. So I think that that is a pretty good thing. Also, Shell in the run game, run blocking, 75.9 grade for PFF. Pass blocking, 51.7. Not as worried about the pass blocking grade on the right side. Again, if they get through, Josh can move. So there's that. Let's see. And he only allowed two sacks last year and eight hits. So take that for what it's worth. Bigger concern. Brown at RT or name a player, MLB. Ooh. Big concern right now 
is the middle linebacker spot, no doubt. As of right now, that's the bigger concern because we have two guys who can play right tackle. So, not worried. Three guys if you count Bates. Started all 11 games last or started 11 games last season. That's pretty good. In 11 games, that's not bad. Especially for a backup. That's a, he's a he's a backup. So he started 11 games and his numbers right there, you know, two sacks allowed, four QB hits. That's not that's not bad at all. Four penalties in 11 games. That's that's pretty good. So I think that his prospects on this team are solid. They're solid. All right, so now we're done with the offensive line. Let's move to the defensive line. And I think that we have obviously improved the defensive line this year. I don't think there's a question about it. Uh, Von Miller says he's healthy, 100%, and does not expect to be on the pup list for training camp or the preseason. So if that's true, if that's true, then he's back. That's an off- That's already an upgrade from the end of last year. Bringing Von Miller back, and you have Russo, Boogie Basham, eh, AJ Panessa, sneaky good year last year. Shaq, solid year last year, good for depth. Then you bring in Shane Ray on the flyer. Uh, a lot of people were really excited about that. I'm excited about it for the opportunity that Shane Ray had earned. He earned a, uh, an opportunity. He went up to the CFL, played up there for a while, got picked up by the Bills after being out of the league for a while. And I, I think that's a wonderful thing that says that, you know, you have a path back to redemption. Do I think he's going to make our roster? I have no idea. But as of right now, the answer would be no. Because they brought in Leonard Floyd, which is a vast improvement over all those guys except Russo and Vaughn. So that pushes the other guys down the list. And again, Epinesa had seven sacks last year. Six and a half, but, you know, it's freaking seven. You know, he was in on one more. So I think that someone like, and there goes Roy in the comments, just getting ahead of me. Shane Ray will be lucky to make the practice squad. You know, Shane Ray is lucky to be on the roster at all. So that's that. But, you know, his hard work and dedication got him there. I think it's possible he gets there. I think it's more likely that we cut Boogie and move him to the practice squad or we trade Boogie. Um, To me, of... Von Miller, Greg Russo, uh, Floyd, Epinesa, Boogie, and Shaq. If we're keeping five, Boogie to me is the odd man out. He easily had the worst year out of all of them. Uh, some people told me that they don't think he had that, he had the enough opportunities to play, but he had 250 snaps, 243 snaps, some of like that. So I think it was 243, exact number. That's like. 30 fewer snaps than Shaq Lawson, I think it was. Or A.J. Panessa. 30 fewer snaps than A.J. Panessa. That's not not an opportunity. He had his chances. He only had two sacks. And to me, that he'd, he'd be the odd man out. Granted, I do like Boogie, but I don't like you enough to let other players go. Well, we'll see him in camp and we'll see him in the preseason. If he can win the job, he can win the job. I hope so. You know, he, he's a growing, maturing man, and McDermott's philosophy is third year is is it for any player to show you who they are, or who they can be. So if it, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen this year. We'll see in camp. We'll see in uh, in the preseason. But I think that the Bills' defensive end room got better clearly just by bringing in Floyd 
and having Vaughn back. Way, way, way better. Let me know on who. Did he sack Josh or did he sack um, Barkley or did he sack uh, uh, Kyle? But, um, yeah, I think I think that defensive end room, way better. Defensive tackle room, right? We, we had complaints after last year that when uh, freaking – excuse me, let me refill my water cup here. That when um, the Quan Jones went down, there was a vast difference in the way the defensive line played. So what do you do? You bring in Puna Ford, another big guy, to play one technique with him. Now you have a backup one technique. I don't know who the backup's going to be, if it's going to be Puna or Daquan. Statistically, last year, Daquan was better in every single category than Puna, but Puna was put in a position to um, in, in a position to fail, honestly, as, as a position of uh, – in his position with the Seahawks. You know, he went from one defensive scheme to another, and it just didn't go well. didn't go well at all for him. And I feel for the guy because, you know – it's your last year there. You're trying to do your best so you can go get paid. It doesn't work out. He found a spot now with the Bills to try and show what his skills are. If he can dethrone Daquan Jones as the number one DT1, then fine. Uh, otherwise, you know, he'll be the backup there. And if Daquan Jones goes down, we have a solid guy to come in and help uh, Ed Oliver be the best Ed Oliver he can be. Because Ed Oliver, last year when he was playing well, even though he had a bum ankle and a torn pectoral at one point or partially torn pec, he was out there. He made himself available, even though he was hurt. And he played his best ball when he had Daquan Jones next to him. So I think that's very important. Also, Ed was double teamed a lot more than we think. And I think that's because Daquan Jones wasn't always out there. He played right around 50% of the snaps and not all of them were with Ed. And so whenever that happens, you're going to have Ed get double teamed instead of Jordan Phillips or instead of Tim Settle or whoever's out there next to him. And so that, to me, speaks volumes. BMF says, Boogie is okay. Many said the same about Epinesa. They did, but Epinesa had more sacks in the years prior than Boogie did. Oh, need water. But we'll see. I'm not, I'm not against anybody right now. This is just my opinion currently. My opinion can and will be changed by the way players play out last year before the season started i was super high on roger saffold i was wrong i was very wrong i'm not afraid to admit that i'm wrong i'm not afraid to, to admit that i said what i said you know what i'm saying like I, I'm, I'm with you here you are correct about this many said the same about epinesa but epinesa's first two years were better than boogie's first two years oliver's looking to push for 10 Sacks this year, it's a half million dollar in his pocket. He said he needs that. Hey, who doesn't need a half million dollars? I'll take a half million dollars. <laughs> a half million dollars will help me more than it helps Ed, in my opinion. But you know what? If Ed wants that money and it's going to make him work harder, go get it. Oliver will be amazing with a one tech next to him. When Vaughn is happy, you cannot double team all these players. That's true. If you have Ed, you know, coming downhill, you have Vaughn, you have Rousseau. And if Vaughn's not out there and or Rousseau's not out there, you have Leonard Floyd out there. 
that is a line of dogs. Plus, Shaq last year played pretty freaking well. I like it. And Epinesa as a pass rusher. I mean, Shaq played mostly to stop the run. On, on rundowns where people they, they anticipated to be run, Shaq was in there. On plays where they anticipated to be pass, AJ was in there. And they both kind of shined within those roles. So I, I like those two players right there. Sort of a yin and yang contrast to each other to be able to help this team. Boogie has, or excuse me, Boogie knows he has to be, hang on, I'm having a hard time reading this. Boogie knows he has to put up good numbers this year. He already knows his days are numbered. He said it in an article. Yeah, as well he should. I expected more of Tim Settle. So Tim Settle's a big heart guy, right? He's got like the heart of Doug Flutie, but he doesn't have the talent. Uh, Epinesa played 30% of the snaps. I thought it was like 38%. I thought it was closer to that. I can pull it up. That's no big deal. AJ Panessa, pro football reference. But on snap counts, 2022, he played 38% of the snaps, according to pro football reference. So closer to 40 Uh, see if they get rid of AJ, he is tradable because his 6.5 sacks last season in seven games. Correct. Look, AJ, AJ could be a trade candidate if they, you know, want to clear up some space and that's a little bit of money for him too. He's a second round pick. So he's, he's on the higher side of the pay scale for rookies. Uh, is he, he's not in the first round pick side, but he's in the higher side. You know, it's probably, probably a couple million dollars tied up in him this year. Auto-correct that and crazy. See, Oliver is looking to push for 10 sacks in the season, he said. Okay, yep, I already read that one. Uh, 38%. There we go. All right, so now we're back to defensive tackle. I think the Puna Ford edition. Because other than that, the defensive tackle room didn't really change. Most of the positions in our team didn't really change. But they brought in 11 players after the draft. A lot of those guys are here for depth or practice squad or for camp bodies. You know, honestly, if you're just going to be honest about it, that's what it is. Camp bodies, uh, practice squad filling, and depth. And the depth on this team got better. Just look at that defensive tackle room. You know, if they wanted to move on from Tim Settle, they could because now you can have Jordan Phillips just purely as a backup to Ed Oliver for passing downs. Ed Oliver's last year, his numbers were better in – um. In, in rushing situations, in running situations. He played well against the run, but not as well as he could have with the with the one tech out there. You bring in Puna, again, just that one player in the third spot, right? Because it's Ed, then Daquan, and then Puna. And then Settle and Phillips are somewhere over here doing this whole flip-flop thing. And BMF says Settle needs to improve his strength. Oliver, or... Improve his strength, Oliver's level. I'm not sure what he means by Oliver's level, but I agree with the first part. Settle needs to improve his strength. He needs to hit that weight room. Need to get stronger. I love his personality. I love I love what he brings to the team in the locker room, but Settle really needs to get his stuff together physically. What do you think about that CB we brought in from Minnesota? I actually thought that was a very good move, and we're going to get there. We're going to get there. Oliver was also playing with an ankle injury part of the season. Was he not? Yes, and a pectoral injury. 
He had a partially torn pec and he sprained his ankle early on. He missed during the Dolphins game, the first one. He sprained his ankle. He was out for a couple weeks. He didn't play all the whole season last year. Andrew Jones, most def got better. It's a keyword for his for this defensive line. Healthy. We cannot miss Ed for a couple for multiple games. You know, if we do miss Ed for a couple of games, I'm okay with a couple of games. It's just a couple of games. If it's like seven, that's that's tough. That's tough. Was Settle injured last season? Uh, I don't believe so. He just, you know, doesn't have the skills. He's got the heart to do it, though. That's why he even did was the reason why he's able to do what he does at the level he's doing it, which isn't a super high level, but it's an NFL level. So who the hell am I to talk? But Settle last season, it's, it's all his heart. He's got the motor. He's got the drive, you know, the cardio. He's got that stuff, but the, the physical strength and the speed and the technique isn't all there. It can be developed, but it's not all there. Oliver had a lot of pressures last year. Oliver did have a lot of pressures last year. Oliver, let's see, pull him up real quick. I went over this last week because I compared him and Tremaine. For those of you who are here, you guys remember, I hope. And for those of you who didn't, but yeah, 31 pressures last year, 11 QB hits, 16 hurries, and four sacks. And that was in, I think, 14 games or 15 games. So, yeah, not bad. Not bad at all. Uh, he was tied for eighth in forced fumbles. He was tied for fifth in assisted tackles and 56th in solo tackles. But, you know, defensive tackle, it is what it is. Not your average podcast and a 716 miss T. How do the cuts work this year? Is it a big cut this year? Uh, I, I'm not sure. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company, serving collectors since 1945. Sure, honestly, I think I think it, it is a big cut at the very end. You hold everybody until the last week of, this, of the preseason, and then that bye week, you make all your cuts. I don't think that it's, you know, three cuts like usual. Oliver was actually in a walking boot last season for a little while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The ankle injury and the pec, you know, they, they hindered him some. Also, the revolving door at one tech. So, but we've broken that down already. They they went and they got a guy to settle that one tech spot. He can actually play one and three, but he's more of a one in this defense. Then you have the other two guys who can play both spots, but mostly in passing downs. I I like the way that they did that. I like what they did there. They also brought a DJ Dale from the University of Alabama as a undrafted rookie free agent who is really good against the run at Alabama. So if you're in the SEC and you're really good against the run. It's not a bad thing to do. You can rotate him in on third and one, and he can go in there and just try and stop the rusher. That's not bad at all. That's a good player to have for a specific role. Put him on the practice squad. You let him chill there. And then in a game where someone's injured or has something nagging, you can deactivate that person, activate DJ Dale, and see how he how he, uh, he plays out there. I think DJ Dale is a sneaky guy to make the practice squad and potentially make some noise during the season if somebody happens to get hurt. So I do like DJ Deal or DJ Dale. Um, I didn't know much about him after the draft. 
I had to go and look him up. And he's a little undersized, like Ed, but not quite that undersized. Um, shorter arms, but yeah, I, I like it. Here we go. So August 29th is the big cut down date from 90, 90 to 53. Yep, so I was correct. Uh, it is indeed one big cut instead of all that. I don't know if that makes it easier or harder. I guess we'll, I guess they'll find out, you know, because, you know, some people say you do it in waves and it's hard that way because you have a guy that you didn't get that much of a look at. So I hope that this is going to be easier, but the the decision-making is going to be tough. And I think that you'll probably see teams cutting players before that day, you know, like like maybe up to five days before that day, just to be like, okay, we know it's not, we know he's not staying, we know he's not staying, we know he's not staying, we know he's not, and they'll just kind of do that as that week goes on. And then you'll see the massive dump of talent that happens. I mean, Joey Hatch Jr., what's going, what's good, brother? Go Bills. And hard no matter what. Yeah, it is hard no matter what, because that, you know, that 53rd man that Brennan's always talked about, that's tough. But now we're going to move on to linebackers. And losing Tremaine Edmonds, you know, that's just like Roger Saffold, man. It's addition by subtraction. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, Tremaine Edmonds is a outstanding linebacker. He isn't great. He's also not bad at all. He's just indecisive against the run, excellent in coverage, but he's not quick. He's fast, but he's not quick. And I think that's why they got rid of him. Uh, I spoke about this, I think, last week as well. You bring in guys like Dorian Williams and uh, Terrell Bernard, and you bring them in here. Why? Because you want quicker, twitchier linebackers to be able to move around the field faster. Um, linebackers coach, uh, the rock star, Bobby Babich Jr., he mentioned that. You want two cover linebackers or two matchup linebackers out there. And Tremaine Edmonds would have a hard time with a Travis Kelsey He'd have a hard time with a slot receiver just because he's so big, even though he's fast. You know, he doesn't get up to speed that fast. I think that, you know, that's that's going to be something that's key. Now, I do like me some Tremaine Edmonds. If we kept him, I wouldn't have been mad. But I'm also not mad that we didn't. So that, that's what I feel on that. Um, but that is a big, fat question mark, whether we got better at linebacker. That's a huge question mark. Is it likely we got better? No. It's likely that Terrell Bernard or Dorian Williams are going to need time. Now, is it possible that they are better? It's possible. It's possible. Likely, no. Uh, am I really that concerned with it? Not really, because I see us running a little more dime this year. I can see us running a little bit more dime. You, you go out there and you put Taylor Rapp as the dime back, which is basically just another nickel back on the other side. And... You could see him playing linebacker. I could I could definitely see him playing some linebacker next to Milano in four two five sets. I could see him out there if they know it's gonna be a pass. You know, you know, it's fourth and fourteen, and these this team needs to get the first down. And I can see him sticking Taylor Rapp out there to be a middle safety. Totally possible. Let's see. So middle linebacker will be situational by committee. Uh, I don't think so. You don't want your middle linebacker to be a committee position. You want your middle linebacker to be settled. 
they may, you know, throw somebody out there. Matt Milano may assume the middle linebacker role in certain situations, which he did with Tremaine Edmonds here. There were times where Matt Milano was the mic. You can hear quarterbacks yelling, 58's the mic, 58's the mic. Call meaning Matt Milano is the middle linebacker in that position. Um, do I think that that happens a lot? No, I don't think that happens a lot. I think that if you're running a Milano and rap at linebacker, you're going to see Milano assume that middle linebacker role and wrap, you know, that weak side spot. But in most situations, when you actually do have actual linebackers out there, you're going to see Milano in his weak side role, which he won first team all pro doing this past year. But you don't, you don't want to have a committee at middle linebacker. That guy's supposed to call your defense. I read Terrell is in the lead. I'm not worried about who's in the lead. What I am worried about, though, is that they're good. I don't care if it's Terrell, Dorian Williams. Uh, I, I like both those athletes, so we'll see. See, middle linebacker battle is interesting. Yes, it, it will be interesting. See, Williams is definitely faster in coverage. Uh, he's definitely faster in coverage than Tremaine, as is Terrell Bernard. They both they both ran the, four, the same speed. I believe they both ran – no, Terrell Bernard's faster. Terrell Bernard ran a 4-4-2, and Dorian Williams ran a 4-4-9. So, yeah, that's – the speed – between Williams and Terrell is not the same, but that is track speed. So you could be totally right that Dorian Williams is faster in coverage than Terrell Bernard. You know, game speed and track speed, totally different things. I can see a three safety dime. I can see that too. Yeah, that's that's what I'm talking about. So I used to be able to make phone call with the dime. How old are you? Klein did a great job in Milano's place, pushing Kelsey at the so that's that's an experience thing. That's an experience thing. Forty point one. I don't know what that means. All right. So moving on from linebackers, because you know it's 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 all up in the air. We don't really know. Most of the most of the guys are the same. Balen Specter, Tyler Medikavich. Uh, Terrell Bernard, Dorian Williams is new. He's really the only new guy. Uh, Matt Milano's obviously still here. AJ Klein, I don't know if I said his name, but we already know he's not starting. He's basically a consultant at linebacker, who I think is ultimately going to be on the practice squad. Ah. We'll see if Matikavich makes the team. I'm not sure he will, but I'm, I'm, I'm honestly not sure. I'm going to say no, that this spot was not an improvement. 59 and feel every bit of it. Yeah, it probably was a quarter for you then. I'll be 39 this year, so yeah, you're a little bit older than me, my buddy, but happy to have you around. Appreciate you listening to me. You know, not a lot of people who are older than me like that are going to listen to me and, and be able to, you know, give me feedback without being like young whippersnapper. <laughs> But, yeah, no, I appreciate you, Roy. So did you see that the doctors said that Von Miller is all healed up? I did see that. I mentioned that earlier in the show, uh, that Von Miller said that he's all healed up. His doctor said he's all healed up. He's got to make the transition to stop uh, rehabbing and start going back into being a football player, were Von's words, I believe, or something like that. He said that, you know, I got I to gotta stop rehabbing now and start training. Luckily, still OTAs. Luckily, he already knows the defense, and luckily, he's got plenty of time to continue to recover. So if it's week one with Von, cool. Uh, you know, with all the guys we have now, you can actually lower his his his, uh, his snap count. 
right? Because we need him in the playoffs. I don't give a damn about the regular season if we're not going to have him in the playoffs. Give me playoff Vaughn. I want playoff Vaughn. I want Super Bowl Vaughn. That's what I want. Go Bills. Go Bills, bro. Love you. Don't forget to call your nephew. It's his birthday. By the way, everybody, my son turned 17 today. That's my little guy. We took him out to dinner, uh, Mexican food, and he was happy with that. Let me see if I have a picture. Let me show you guys. Yep, I took a picture at dinner. Right here. That's my boy. And it's his 17th birthday today, so call your nephew, Choppy. He'll be back week eight. I I, I doubt it'll be week eight. I, I think it'll be closer to week six. Um, but he's talking about week one, so we'll see. Do you think we can see Von Miller at linebacker, or is he not that kind of linebacker? So he's not really that kind of linebacker. He may be able to play that spot if absolutely needed, but no, he's not a coverage guy. He can drop in coverage a little bit, but he's not covering elite tight ends or, or you know running backs. Again, he can do a little bit of that, but it's not his forte. Love your show, Izzy. I can still learn things even from from young guys. That's true. You know, we all can. I learn from my kid every day. That kid teaches me something new every day. He hits me in the upside the head with some knowledge that I didn't know. That little, that guy I just showed you guys. So, yeah, I, I understand. See, insider thinks Elam is going to be a beast against fast cornerbacks. Thoughts? Uh, I hope so, but my thoughts are Elam's going to have to show it to me. You know, last year he looked like he got better throughout the season. We'll see what happens. But as of right now, I need to see it. My lady T says, happy birthday to your son. Thank you, T. I'd say Dawson. Traven Howard as middle linebacker. Uh, Traven Howard. Oh, yeah, I forgot we picked him up. Uh, I'm not sure I see them taking that role, but they could. You know, they got this shot. They have to go out there and get it. Happy birthday to your son. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You guys are great. Uh, it doesn't say anything. Nope. See, Sports Illustrated said he had a sneaky good season last year in Buffalo. I don't know who you're talking about, buddy. You, you, your, your two previous things didn't say anything. See, one and two, they just empty. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and uh, move on to defensive backs, which are safeties and corners, as you guys know, and we'll just group those all got all together because we're gonna see some overlap, I think, with our safeties and our our corners. All right, so again, at the top, it's the same thing. Hang on, here we go. Oh no, he definitely had a sneaky good year last year. As the year went on, and he started to pick up the zone scheme from coming from Florida, where he played mostly man coverage because he's an SEC. Elam played better down the stretch. He even had an interception on Patrick Mahomes in the end zone. Pretty sure it was Patrick Mahomes. It was, a him, it was either him or Lamar Jackson. I, I'm pretty sure it was Patrick Mahomes. But, yeah, Elam had a sneaky good year last year. I think that he will get better, but he's got to show it to me. I got to see it. Now, we are at corner, right, and Trey White is back in camp. I hear he looks phenomenal. And that is important because he's been phenomenal before. And we know that since he's done it, he's capable of it. And last year, that mental hurdle of having to come back from that knee injury, you know, and everything else that happened last year, the team looked drained and he just didn't look like himself. But from what I understand in camp, he's looking a whole lot like the Trey, no, Trey White that we know. And so Tredavious White, salute, brother. I hope you come back. 
kick ass and get that all team again. T uh, has now confirmed that it was Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. Curious to see how McDermott will use rap. That I'm gonna get into that. Elam took on Hill very well, and so Elam actually played some man against Hill, which I would say is impressive. But that's really what Elam came from, so he knows how to do that. The impressive part is he's able to keep up with Hill, but you know, as I said from those playoffs where the Chiefs went to the Super Bowl or the, the Bengals went to the Super Bowl beating the Chiefs, their corners were four four guys and they were able to keep up with Hill and hold them down in that Chiefs game. And the Bills weren't because our guys were four six, almost four seven guys. You don't have to match somebody's speed for speed, but if you got good speed, you can keep up. That's all you got to do. Because if the quarterback doesn't place the ball perfectly in front of him, then there's room for error. And if there's room for error, there's room for you to go up and get it. And that's what happened. You know, those corners in Cincinnati did that. Eli Apple and uh, Ouzier did their thing in that in that championship game. Last year, they lost. That's cool. But I, I'm, I'm, really, I'm really looking to see what Elam can do. Again, Trey White, though, he's in there. Safeties, Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer are back, baby. We re-signed uh, Poyer. I can see them extending Hyde by one year. Then behind them, you have Taylor Rapp, and you have DeMar Hamlin. DeMar Hamlin coming off of last year. Scary incident, right? Fully cleared, fully healthy. And last year, he was our safety three. He's now our safety four, depending on the role that Tyler Rapp plays. Because I think Tyler Rapp is going to play safety, corner, and linebacker in this game for the Bills. He will be our dime back in most cases. He's going to be our third safety. So if we're running six DBs, which is technically dime, but we run three safeties in three corners, he'll be out there. If you're going to run 4-2-5, but you believe it's passing, he could be playing that weak side linebacker spot that Matt Milano plays which is technically still make him a dime player in that position if you count him as a DB on that play. But I digress. I think that you're going to see Taylor Rapp play similar position to Taron Johnson, which is basically our strong side linebacker in these plays. It's it's He's going to have a role. He's going to have a role, and I think that Taylor Rapp can really find himself in his defense. And I think that Taylor Rapp is really going to kind of be that Micah Hyde that was in Green Bay, that – plays everywhere on the defense. I, I really like that. I really, really like that. And John Roberts has said here something similar to that, or maybe that's what the one I was answering. But I think, yeah, Taylor Rapp is going to be interesting. Uh, Izzy, in the past couple of years, we talked about missing speed on the back end. I love Hyde and Poirier, but the lack of speed on the back end still worries me. We don't – so – my, my worry about lack of speed wasn't at safety, right? Most safeties aren't that fast. My, my, where I was talking about lack of speed was at corner. We had Dane Jackson who ran a 4.62. We had Levi Wallace who ran a 4.68. Those guys are slow. Teron Johnson's 40 time, uh, from what I remember, wasn't bad. I think it was 4.54, if I remember correctly. I'm going to look it up real quick. Teron Johnson out of Weber State. Johnson. 40 time. Uh, four five flat. Okay, so close enough. With a four two eight, uh, 20 yard shuttle. So he's built for that spot at, at slot. 
All right. So moving on. Demar Hamlin is actually practicing now with helmet on. Great sign. Um, I'm so happy for Demar Hamlin with all that happened to him. Uh, I'm very happy for him, and I appreciate you know the love and support that we Bills fans, my fellow Bills fans, you know fans across the country, gave to him. You know the the extra love that the country gave to him after that happened. It really really shined a light on him. It shined a light on Buffalo. It gave you know some national attention to the Bills that was positive after something really negative, which we hadn't had all year. All year it was negative stuff. The shooting, uh, you know, the freaking passing of Luke Knox, you know, the two snowstorms that killed 30 people. Like that, that there, there was nothing positive that came after any of that stuff. You can say like after the shooting, like, you know, the city of Buffalo was united and still there was nothing positive after that. Demar Hamlin's making appearances on the Mass Singer with his with his kid brother Demir. He's he's making appearances on the news. He's going to see the president. You know whether you like this president or not. You know doesn't matter if you like him or not. He went to go see the president, and that's important. And it really shined a light on Buffalo and gave us something positive in the end, which I'm happy about. I'm really glad for that. So, yeah. What is your assessment of Hamlin's play last year? Hamlin's play last year to me was. Uh, satisfactory. Now, I know what you're thinking. Satisfactory sounds bad. It's not. For a guy starting his first year at safety as a seventh-round pick in his second season in the NFL, he filled in for Micah Hyde admirably. It wasn't great. It wasn't bad. He was where he was supposed to be most of the time. He was a solid tackler. He was solid in coverage. He wasn't great at anything. He wasn't bad at anything. He just was good enough to play. He was good enough to start. And I think that he could probably be good enough to start somewhere else. But, again, I don't think he's great. I think that he played admirably in Micah High's stead. Rap is one of the sneaky good signings of the offseason. According to an article I read, he is not – or he did not leave a starting role to sit there, sit the bench. Uh, I agree with that. Also, you know – with Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde being their age and, you know, Micah Hyde's neck injuries, maybe he doesn't resign again. Maybe this may be his, his swan song. So you bring in Tyler Rapp for a year, you, you evaluate him. And if he's your guy, you resign him to be your next Micah Hyde. That, that could be what's going on here. Uh, I don't think that he's here to do that either. I think that he is going to be, the guy who, again, takes the slot or the weak side linebacker role in certain scenarios, the dime role, he's going to be that guy. He'll even fill in for those guys on occasion when they get tired so they don't have to play 100% of the snaps like they usually have. Those guys are getting old. They're going to need some breaks. So you put in snap or a rep to go out there and take some of that edge off of them, give them a little bit of rest, right? If one of them has a nagging injury, like, you know, one of them stubs their damn toe, you can say, you know what, Micah, sit down this week. We'll just go ahead and go with Taylor. You have a guy out there who can start in the NFL, who's won a Super Bowl as a starter in the NFL, who held it down in that Super Bowl against the Bengals, by the way. He's got experience against the Bengals. That That's another thing right there. Rap to cover Kelsey. Uh, it's possible. Um, I don't know if Rap's big enough. I also don't know his full dimensions off the top of my head. Um, but, yeah, it could be. See, Bill's bet against the Dolphins might be to double-team Hill uh, and keep White one-on-one with Waddle. So I don't even think you have to double-team Hill. Again, last year, uh, Elam 
manned up Hill and took his lunch. Hill had that what three catches for thirty yards in that game. That's that's nothing. I mean, let me go ahead and look that up now. Bills versus Dolphins, and that's the first game we lost that game. Waddle had a, had a catch for a touchdown, but he was being beat up by Dane Jackson, I think, and he got cooked. Uh, so, in this game here, no, not that. Player stats. Dolphins. Tariq Hill in this game had two catches for 33 yards. Waddle had four for 102. Elam did a good job against him. Elam did a good job against him. See, every team did something for DeMar Hamlin, and they all wore number three T-shirts and patches. Yeah, I saw that. That was awesome. DeMar Hamlin started the CPR campaign in Buffalo recently. Check it out, folks. Uh, I, I did hear about that, too. Yeah, he a lot of that money that he got, that was it, $10 million or so, which is more than his contract, he uh, donated to CPR funds and stuff like that. Yeah, very – it was a beautiful gesture by DeMar Hamlin. And I think that people donating did a beautiful thing for him, and he paid it forward, which is the best thing you can do. See, one thousand people showed up. Jesus, let's go! It's one one. That's one thousand more people out there that know how to do CPR. Uh, that's awesome. And yeah, if Elam can cover Hill, he is the real deal. Well, that's man to man. You got to remember, he's got to be able to play the rest of this defensive scheme, unless they decide to move to like that old school New York Jets scheme where it was mostly zone, but then you had Revis on the island and everybody else kind of covered the field that they had, and then Revis was just the guy out there. So if, if he can become Darrell Revis, then yeah. But he's going to have to do that in order to, you know, be the real deal as a man guy. He's going to have to learn how to do uh, zone coverage as well. But we break down the rest of the, the, the moves here, right? I'm talking about Elam and Rap and Hyde and Poyer and Tredavious. It's time to look at the guys behind them. We already covered Demar too. The guy behind the guys behind them, Taron Johnson, who we already talked about too, slot guy. He's the guy there. Right? There's no question. We got Dane Jackson, Christian Benford, who are both challenging um, our guy Kyrie Elam for that starting cornerback job to begin the season. And you know they're both doing well in camp. Uh, I'd say Benford seems like he's a bit ahead, but Elam is looking like he's going to be the starter. Alex Austin, who you brought in, who I think could make this team over Dane Jackson. Personally, I think that he possibly could. I haven't heard much about him in camp, but we'll see. Uh, and when training camp starts, it's a different animal. It'll, it'll be in Rochester, and hopefully I can get up there and see. Uh, let me see. Dean Milo. Um, honestly, don't know who that is. I just looked it up and it's like a murder thing that popped up. So I'm not sure. See, Benford played well until his injury. Yeah. We had a lot of injuries at corner last year. Had a lot of them. I heard Benford pra uh, practice at safety also. He is practicing at safety also. That's what I'm saying before. 
is that you'll see a lot of crossover. You may see, you know, someone like Bedford end up at safety, but then Rap is in the slot and like, what, what's going on here? But they, they're going to be mixing and matching a lot. I think they're going to be way more creative on defense and you'll see some changes. I think this defensive unit is going to be really good. It's going to be really legit. Uh, the hard part is going to be getting around that middle linebacker spot if it's not good. But if it's good, if, the, if Terrell Bernard is good, not great, but just good at middle linebacker, not worried. Not worried at all. Or if it's freaking, um, what's his name? Uh, Dorian Williams. If either one of them gets in there, starts, and is good, cool. Then you go back to defensive back, though, which we were just talking about. They brought in Cameron Dantzler from the Vikings. Now, in the first couple years when he was there, he was under Mike Zimmer, or at least the first year. Under Mike Zimmer. And he played well, pretty well. He hasn't really played bad his entire career, but he didn't get signed up for this this next year. And I think that it was in a cap-saving move by the Vikings. Cam Dantzler is a guy who I actually wanted the Bills to draft if he would have lasted into the fourth round. But I believe he was a second-round pick. So, no, he's a third-round pick. So he didn't, he didn't make it quite to where I wanted, but he was close. Overall grade last year, 63, run defense, 55, and coverage, 64.7. That's not bad. It's not bad at all. Yards per reception allowed, 10.2. Uh, he didn't have any interceptions. So last year, it looks like it was a down year for him from what I can remember, right? We go to the year before, 2021. Overall grade, 73.8. Run defense, 90.9. And coverage, 66 or 67.6. He had a down year this year. That's that's all that is really. If you look at if you look at the rest of the years, uh, his his rookie season, seventy point nine run defend grade, sixty eight point five coverage, sixty nine point eight. He's close to seventy in in uh, his uh coverage grade every year. His lowest year was this past year, and that was a sixty four point seven. And to me, that's a coaching thing. That's not a Cam Dantzler problem. To me, the Cam Dantzler's issue was coaching this past year because that Vikings defense took a huge step back. It was terrible. That Vikings defense was horrible. I don't know how they won 13 games with such a piss-poor defense. I think Cam Dantzler is sneakily here in Buffalo to resurrect his career, and he could be fighting for a job, even if it's a practice squad spot. I think that I think that, that was a sneaky good signing, Cam Dantzler. And so – when I when I saw we picked him up, I actually got a little excited, but then I was like, calm your calm your calm yourself a little bit, you know, bring it down just a notch and look into him. And I was right. I was right to be excited about him. Does that mean I'm gonna be right that he's gonna come in here, take someone's job, and be the future at that position? I have no idea. But I think that he's worth taking a look at, especially for the price. And if he turns out to be that guy, then you took the minimal risk for the maximum reward. And that's how you build teams in the NFL. You go out there, you take minimal risk, and hopefully reap the benefits of the maximum reward because every single player that comes into the NFL has the potential to be that maximum reward, whether you like it or not, whether you believe it or not, no matter what. Victor Cruz, minimum uh, minimum risk with the New York Giants. Maximum reward. What happened? Undrafted rookie free agent out of Massachusetts, I think it was, UMass. Look what happened. Look what happened. One of the better wide receivers for the Giants last 20 years. 
really good career. Won two Super Bowls, I think it was, with the Giants. Good for Victor Cruz. Uh, who's another guy? Antonio Brown. Was he a fifth or sixth round pick? Minimum, minimum risk. Levi Wallace for us. He wasn't great, but he was good enough for what we were doing at the time. He wasn't going to be a number one, but he was good enough to man that number two spot down and hold it down for a while. Minimal risk as an undrafted rookie free agent. Maximum reward. We got the best out of him. He went to the Steelers and did not look good. He also got hurt. So I hope uh, Levi Wallace gets a speedy recovery. Um, but I think that Cam Dantzler in this defense, he's more of a zone guy. Uh, zone blitz with Mike Zimmer. There was a lot of lot of zone blitzing going on there. Uh, and he blitzed a lot, apparently, because his run-stopping grade was pretty freaking good in the years prior. I mean, go, again, go back to 2021. His run defense grade was 90.9. I think Cam Dantzler is a guy who makes this team better. It's my opinion on that. Again, then you have the other three guys, Dane Jackson, Christian Benford, Levi Wallet or Levi Wallace, wow, uh, Alex Austin. If there's anybody else at the position, I don't think that they have much of a chance to make the team. You're too you're too stacked at the top. Trey White, Kyrie Elam, Terrell Bur or Taron uh, Johnson, now Cam Dantzler, and the last two corner spots. There's four or five guys there. There's four or five guys there. I think that. Between Dane Jackson, Alex Austin, Christian Benford, and that's it, right? So, yeah, after those first four guys who I think are probably going to make the team, two of those guys make it. And I think Dane Jackson is going to be the odd man out. I think Dane Jackson is going to be the odd man out. Or no. Yeah. So, there's that. What's up, guys? How you doing, buddy? Welcome to the welcome to the chat. Say minimum risk, risk, maximum reward. Tom Brady, he was a sixth round pick actually. He was the last pick in the sixth round at one ninety nine. But you you got you're fine bringing up the name. He's no longer a Patriot. Uh, old wounds, you know, they last a while. They scar a little bit. But once he left the Patriots and won a Super Bowl there, and I was like, ah, Belichick's a bum. Uh, I, you know, I'm fine with it. You know, it is what it is. Is Boogie gone? Uh, no, not technically. Joey, I can't, I can't see your comment. There's nothing there. Uh, he's not technically gone yet. He's going to have to prove himself in camp. Otherwise, he will be gone. But I really – I hope that he gets himself together and makes a team so we can let go of a Shaq and keep Boogie. I'd rather have Boogie if he can prove himself. And apparently his physique looks better, uh, which I didn't hear until this show when somebody told me in the comments that Vaughn was impressed with that. Um, also Vaughn is on his team, so he's supposed to say good things about him. So take that for what it's worth. But, you know, I'm hoping that Boogie can, you know, get his stuff together and dethrone Shaq for that spot. If he can, I'm all for it. But if not, I at least want Shaq to be on the practice squad in case they have to let go of Boogie and bring Shaq back up. That's just how I feel about that. Yeah, I read Alex will beat out Dane. I hope so. Look, I like Dane Jackson as a tackler. As a tackler, that's that's his best trait is his tackling. In coverage, he's he's too inconsistent. So I would not be mad if they walked away from Dane after this training camp and preseason. So thanks for sharing it to the 12th Man Mafia. Appreciate you, brother. Let's go, Buffalo. Let's go, baby. You know me. 
But uh, yeah, you know what? This comment is actually perfect timing because I'm getting ready to finish the show. And in my assessment, I will say the Bills either stayed the same in most positions or they got better. And to me, that's getting better. There's only one spot that they didn't get better, and that's middle linebacker. And that's yet to be seen because they're all young players there now. They're all young players, and we could see. We could trade Dane Jackson. I don't know what we would get back from. Probably a conditional seventh, but. Or maybe a conditional sixth, you know, that, you know, will turn into a seventh if he doesn't see the field. A conditional seventh would mean either he goes there and you get a seventh, but if he plays well, you get a sixth. Um, or a conditional seventh could mean if he makes the roster, you get a seventh. So. We'll see. Kind of like that Andre Smith trade we made with the Panthers that one year where we traded for Andre Smith. He was on our roster. Then we cut him. We didn't have to send them a, tr- a draft pick. Then we re-signed him after. That was that was brilliance by Brandon Bean. But, yeah, I think that the Bills overall did get better. They got better on the offensive line. I think they got better in the, in the running back room. I think they got better at the back end of the wide receiver room. I think they got better at defensive line, both end and tackle. They got better in the secondary. Depth all around the roster got better with all the moves that they made. Not only that, the only spot that they didn't get better again was middle linebacker. That's the one spot on the team that did not improve. And the thing with that is, is again, has yet to be seen. And one of these young guys to Bernard or Dorian Williams, or even Balen Spector, you never know, could come in here, wow the team, take that spot, earn it. And, Quell any of these worries that we might have had. We'll have to see. Training camp is, you know, a couple weeks away, I think it is. Actual start of actual training camp at St. John Fisher. And, you know, I can't I can't wait. So, guys, it has been a wonderful day. Thank you all. Oop. Isn't he on a one-season one contract? Dane Jackson isn't a one-season contract. He has been since his rookie year because we cut him that year. But we have his un, we have his restricted rights every year. So they just slapped the restricted contract on him and no one comes to try and get him. Oh, even though they could, but they they don't because they'd have to give up uh they'd have to match the draft pick that we drafted him with in the seventh round. And if he's not worth getting a seventh round for him, then what's it what's the point? But yeah, I, I I like Dane, but you know. But overall again, overall, the Bills got better. The Bills got better. They're gonna have to scheme around that middle linebacker spot. But if everybody can do it, it's it's um it's Sean McDermott, and you can see a lot more blitzing. You see a lot more blitzing, I believe. It was a great show, brother. It went fast. It always does. Talking about Buffalo Bills. Thanks for everything. Great show. Thank you, sir. And uh, one more thing, I will say. Leslie Frazier was a solid defensive coordinator for the Buffalo Bills. He did a good job. Top five defense every year. I think that Sean McDermott is going to be better at that job. And I cannot wait. Cannot wait to see what Sean McDermott does. Minicamp starts the 13th. Yep. I'm, I'm talking about training camp, the one we all get to see and go to at St. John Fisher. That's when that's when this that's when it's gonna hit the fan. But guys, you have a great night. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday evening. Thank you for being here with me. Happy birthday to my son, Juan Carlos. Love you, buddy. And that is the show. Bye, guys. Go Bills.
goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.